Blog Talk Radio. Child Abuse Now show on the Blog Talk Radio Network, sponsored by the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. Tonight's show will be a 90-minute show, although we're getting started just a little bit late, which we apologize for. Uh, And it is a show that's a discussion that'll be led by one of our hyphenates, we call them. (laughs) That's a person who's both a professional and a survivor. Uh, In this case, the survivor's story uh, isn't as important as the as the professional's experience, and in this in this case, the professional that we're talking about is a minister. Uh, so her her name is Pastor Deborah Schleck. I think uh, most people who have been around NASCA for a while have heard her speak before, and the idea is that she would uh, uh, respond to anyone who had a question or a comment in her relative field, which would be, as I say, ministry, pastorship, so forth. But also, she has a lot of experience in uh, therapies of different kinds, in spiritual and physical healing and so forth. And you'll hear all about that in a moment. I do want you to, uh, though, let people know, if you if they're around, that the show is going on tonight. We got started, as I say, a little late. And I want to publicly thank Phil, Philip and, uh, and Deborah herself for alerting me to the fact that um, that we were waiting for a host to show up. So I've showed up instead. <laughs> so you guys are stuck with me. Tonight's show um, is all about, as they say, the experience uh, that we all have in recovery. And and it's going to feature the, uh, the experience that Pastor Deborah Schleck has had in her lifestyle. Uh, but, of course, she is a survivor, too. So she understands uh, the, from the perspective of someone who's, uh, you know, suffering trauma, uh, has suffered trauma and continues to suffer trauma, of course, uh, what that's all about. So we think that uh, the survivor professional people that we have on Tuesdays and Thursdays are well positioned to not only understand us, the survivor, but also because they've got some kind of professional background that they can bring to the, to the uh, fore that we can use their experience to bring up topics that are relevant to their professionalism and get their experience, strength, and hope on that too. So without further uh, uh, entertainment, <laughs> further amusement, 
Let me uh, bring on uh, Pastor Deborah Schleck, and at the same time, I'm going to welcome Philip, and I'll open his microphone too, Deborah. So both of you will be on here. But this first one I'm opening is Deborah, and I really appreciate your calling in tonight. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome, Bill. Um, I was looking forward. I actually came up with a list of topics um, after we had that discussion about a theme. And I wanted to, and, you know, you had told me that NASCA was formed to help people tell their story as a first step to healing. And so, all right, I wanted to bring up, all right, now somebody has told their story in in some capacity on NASCA, uh, you know, in a book, in a conference, to a friend, to a therapist. Now, the next question, and we believe NASCA believes, that that's the first step in healing is telling your story, however you get that out. Some people tell their story. You know, they write journals, and uh, they just tell a friend. But that's the beginning stage. So the next one is, okay, you've told your story. Now what? What's the next step to be healed? Are there steps? Are there one step? then what would need to be healed if I listen to your story? As a professional who used to be a mental health counselor or a pastor, if you told me your story and I'm listening intently, I'm going to assess what I think needs to be healed, which could be different than what you want to get healed. So another question is, If you are a survivor of childhood abuse or trauma, who do you trust, who do you go to that can help you with the next step after you tell your story, we'll say on NASCAR, on the radio show, who would you go to for help? Right. Right, right. okay, Okay, another question. How... Does a person who's had trauma and abuse get healed? Is it just a biological healing from medicine that makes you think calmer? Is it getting off drugs and alcohol? Does that produce the healing you're looking for? Does that rebuild trust? Does that rebuild your personality? Uh, Does that rebuild your family relationships? Um, So... What does, okay, and another question is what does one get when you get healed? What are you looking for if you go get therapy or a support group or peer-to-peer? What is it that the person who's been traumatized as a child, what are they wanting from a therapist, from a healer, a pastor? Right. And then what areas would a abuse trauma person believe within themselves need healing as a professional as I used to be a former mental health counselor i might have a list of areas that i think is important from my training my education according to the psychiatric well, system i'm in but as a pastor a minister a spiritual person there might be another list of items that I might believe needs healing. And a lot of times the survivor 
of abuse is never really asked these questions from anybody. They might go to a therapist, but the therapist really, you know, may not ask them, what is it you need healing from and for? What are you hoping to get out of therapy or taking medicine? Um, what do you believe the steps are there that you need right. to take? So those right. are the topics. So I'll just throw that back to you and to Philip to discuss however you want to discuss them. Right. Well, first thing I would like to do is um, indicate to the listener that there's no right or wrong in this. The only thing that's wrong would be to stop progressing. <laughs> but there are many different directions one can take. But once one's told their story, there should be uh, basically a little relief at least that the burden has been lifted because the secret really is the problem, keeping the secret. It, it's a big burden. And, and okay, yes, it gonna, is. Not that you're going to magically be better when you tell your story, but you probably will feel at least some release because you finally told it. Now, you'll also probably at the same time say, oh, I should have remembered to say this, or, geez, I didn't explain that very well, or, you know, I wonder if right. I should have told this right. part. That, that's also very common. The point is, though, we're only talking about telling your story for the first time uh, in mm-hmm. an appropriate setting. And we do believe that on some of our radio shows, we've had people tell their story for the first time. And this can be right. an appropriate setting. But it can also be an appropriate place to do it in a, in a therapy session or in a ministry group, a prayer group, or it can be in a 12-step program. Or it can be, you know, there are lots of different avenues that when I when I say telling their story is an important step, I always add in in an appropriate setting. I always add that because you can also tell That's your story good. to the wrong place, you know, and the wrong people. But anyway, we're assuming you tell it to the right place. Now the next step then, which what you're asking is, where do you go from there? And I I have That's to right. say that there are lots of different choices. Again, no bad choices, no wrong choices. As long as you're not strictly locked into one thing, you can always change your mind and go a different direction. But what is important is that you have to um, come to terms with the fact that there are all these different ways of healing, and you have to pick one. Basically, you have to commit at some point you know, to, okay, I've told my story. What does it mean? And you have to listen to people perhaps who've heard your story and have their own story, and, and more importantly, their own long-term experience, longer-term experience than you do, or training. Uh, so we talk about therapists, you know, that that need to be trauma-trained or trauma. And, uh, That's correct. Trauma. Yeah, because if they're not, if they don't understand that, you know, uh, dealing with a person who's been traumatized as a child is a different animal than dealing with you know, someone who's just depressed, a regular person who's got marriage counseling going on or anything like that. Correct. That's in and of itself, and it requires its own treatment or its own training. And, you know, so that, Bill, mm-hmm. in college, when people are uh-huh. getting their master's degree, uh-huh. there are no trauma classes. At least no. there didn't. If you may have picked child development and what was normal. Right. Most of your classes were taught by PhDs 
And we talked about the hardcore depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, psychotic, the medicines. We did a group therapy uh, thing with the people, but trauma has just really, it stayed in the military, okay, and it stayed in what they used to call the Stockholm Syndrome. When people were kidnapped, they were trauma bonded, stayed there, stayed there. And right. then what happened is child abuse has been around, we'll say. A child trauma has been around forever. But it right. never really, when I was doing my mental health training and my right. pastoral spirit, right. there's no classes in Bible school, doctors of divinity. There's no classes in how to help your congregation deal with child abuse, pornography, uh, anything like that. So... What NASCA is doing is trying to bring that information and say, please get educated. But just recently, what, in the last five to eight years, the ACEs test has come out about uh, the childhood experiences and trauma. And you take it, uh, the, the workshops I went to, you would take the test of 10 questions, and if you answered, I think, yes to four of them, you had a traumatic childhood. And people were that were shocked, and I was working with this one lady. She yeah. never really thought about the death of her father as right. being traumatic and that it would affect her in adulthood. And she realized that she had had childhood trauma. So it's such a new field for therapists and ministers, you know, oh, to understand if can, it. If I can... Uh... Tell people I could explain a little bit that this this thing that you're talking about is called the adverse childhood experience. Childhood, yes. Adverse childhood experience that includes traumas, of course, and it's a very simple process to identify from the list of ten things they ask which ones Mm -hmm. you experienced in your youth. It's very very simple, Mm -hmm. Um, but the higher the number of things you answer yes to the more likely it is that you have experienced trauma. That's Not correct. just experienced adverse experiences, but trauma uh, as trauma. it builds up. And and the um, trick is to make sure you're involved with a group or, or, or a therapist or a minister or whoever it is who does, under, or, or another survivor, frankly, uh, who is trained, you know, who understands uh Trauma itself, it's 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 different than just mm-hmm. depression, you know, or just you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean so, depression is part of it, but but here's what: if you are a an adult now, and you've told your story, maybe on NASCA, peer groups or whatever, that is a question. If you go, I, I need to take the next step. Maybe it's therapy, group therapy, AA, NA. Uh, a pastor, those are questions that the survivor needs to be able to ask that person who's going to help them get healing. Have you been right. trauma-informed? Have you been through uh, classes? Have you worked with people through traumas? You know, what's your experience, uh, you know, with adults that have had childhood traumas? Many people who need help don't know to ask the therapist that, and uh, there's so the therapist is trained as a medical person to 
treat a disease, an illness, and typically get you to medication. And where a minister or a pastor, they're going to work out of the Bible or their faith or whatever they have to help you and teach you and stuff. And they may not be very well educated in allowing you to explore what you need to explore. And you might be at a certain level and want to talk about a certain thing, but the therapist is not educated enough in it. And some survivors are and some aren't. And you have to be careful because if you tell your story or parts of it to another survivor, you can literally trigger them into emotional distress or stuff by your story. Right. And they don't. And so that survivors have to be careful on who they pick to work with, tell their story to. Okay. Because I have had to listen to some horrible stuff, not get triggered, not break down in tears, not get angry, and sit there and passionately listen to their heartbreak and right. under, and uh, at the same time let them cry, get angry. Right. But I have to be able to hold me together without getting triggered or anything. So right. I was just going to bring up what's next after telling your story. Do you go well, towards why, healing and... Yeah. That's, does, that's what you ask. Does NASCA yeah. have like a steps like tell your story, be free, and then take the next step, you know? And here are some right. places. Where, does NASCA yes. help provide? Okay, that's good. That's good. Yes. Bill, well, do you do have it, anything that you want to yeah. ask, Bill ahead, or me? What was the next step? It's kind of a long answer. I'm not going to long answer. In a nutshell, Say again? It's the, you, you, what, he said, what is the next step? He, he, he said that okay. was a long answer. In a nutshell, Philip, it's it's after you tell your story, rather than just sitting around with the story, you know, in your lap, <laughs> you do have to choose, the, you know, sort of the path that you're going to take that will uh, that'll be your, your next opportunity to learn about mm-hmm. your trauma and perhaps to start healing from it. Now, there's a bunch of ways mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. and. Yeah. That's what Deborah asked. Do we have a way of um, identifying things for a newcomer, the person that's just told their story, who are on their the very beginning of their healing journey, to consider that there's different things. We've already mentioned a bunch of them, but we'll, we'll mention them again, Deborah. Things like um, ministry is one, of course. Uh, psychology mm-hmm. is one. Therapy is one. Uh, 12-step programs, yeah. we said, is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, there's a it's spiritual aspect. Bill. Okay, yeah. in 12 steps, Bill, whether it's drugs, alcohol, there are no 12 steps for sexual abuse from children or trauma. It mainly deals with drug and alcohol, 12 steps. Okay, and somewhere yeah. along the line, they separated out psychiatric issues, depression, anxiety, multiple personalities, disassociation, psychotic, uh, trauma, that's all medical versus addictions and treatment. So in 
therapy for a mental health counselor, they're, they don't typically go through 12 steps themselves. They really don't know them because no. that's only if you're going to a rehab facility or like AA for alcohol. But if you have depression, you're not going to get 12 steps. If you have psychiatric disorders that's been you're not going to get a 12-step program and um it's not there because the two realms we call them addictions versus psychiatric they're totally run by different people and they're looking at different parts of like the body addictions they're mainly looking at the body and your addiction to a drug and alcohol they're not that right. concerned, you know, you can go through the program, go through rehab, a treatment, for inpatient treatment, but you're still not healed. They won't address if you have multiple personalities, childhood trauma. They won't address marriage issues. They won't address relationship issues in the 12-step. In therapy, okay. well, like I, there's different groups yeah. and stuff, so help them. Does NASCA have on their website? Like, the next step is to pick a, uh, here's what you do after you tell your story. Number one, decide to get healed. Number two, pick from a multitude of options, you know, and here's a list of them, and contact them in your city and stuff and start the process. Does NASCA have that? Well, yeah, we call them paths. So we say there are numerous paths, and, and it's up to us to sort of, Take a look at the different paths and ultimately, you know, choose the one that seems the most likely to bring us okay. healing. But don't waste your time, you know, because, you know, you you can pick a path and then discover that it's really not the one that you're right, finding a right, lot of satisfaction right. with. You can always change. I just I want to emphasize that for listeners, too. Oh, yeah. That's, not, I tell people if you don't yeah. like your therapist, sort of like if you don't get along with your primary care physician. That right. you're free to move around or your bank exactly. or where you go, your grocery shopping. There's a multitude exactly. of therapists, people, pastors, programs, online, social media, inpatient, you know. And like you said, you have to become knowledgeable of it. And I guess nowadays, Bill, when we were younger, we didn't have the Internet and all that social media stuff to look up programs. You know, we kind of stayed in our area, you know, our city, and uh, we may have gotten, I don't know, looked in the phone book, you know. And and that was about, because I remember that's where we kind of had was, you looked up community organizations and associations in the phone book, and that's where you, and it was in your city, because we didn't have all the stuff online. And um, now they actually have therapy online. I don't know if they have AA groups online or if it's still, you know, mostly in person. I don't know about that. I know uh, most excellent way is in. There are ways to, to do it. That you know, there are there are um, there are ways to be creative about all these things. Uh, and there are yeah, they're real are, lucky. They have a lot of therapy you know, that's being done online, for example, as you know. Yeah, uh, either, we didn't have that, Bill. We didn't. We didn't have that when we were younger. I mean, you had to look in the phone book and just went in your local area and, you know, that was about all you had, maybe your primary care physician, if you even saw that. 
uh, and you had AA. Of course, that's been around a long time. And right. um, there were drug treatment programs. I worked in them. and uh, But th- there just wasn't the multitude of avenues and paths for getting healing. Uh, ministers really didn't do it, you know. And no. you could go into therapy and, um, you know, but they weren't well trained. So I, I, the question is always going to be, you tell your story, it's important, wherever you do it, then you must make, like you said, the decision to take the next step. You do education, you look around, you find the proper, a proper program or path you want to go on. You try it. If it doesn't work, you go on another one, but you keep going. And I think a lot yes. of people get stuck. You know, and maybe they have a bad experience with a therapist or a psychiatrist or a group or a peer group or something. And uh, my mother was the type, she went to a psychiatrist once. He asked one question. She never went back. She said, you're asking too many personal questions. Some people (laughs) who, okay, that was the end of that. Okay. Yeah. Because that was private business and of course we were military and you don't discuss that because it could affect your husband promotion you just gritted it and dealt with it at home and it was horrible so at the same time you didn't have and maybe back then the psychologist used to be employed by a psychiatrist and they would do the psychological testing then they broke away and formed their own group and had their own therapy and testing. Then eventually social workers came from medical fields and hospitals, got licensed, and started working with cancer patients, you know, all those kind of things. And then other master's people started working, a lot of divorce and depression. But there was so much, um, I didn't fit in that because I ran into a Ph.D. psychologist and he advertised himself as a marriage counselor. Right. So I asked him one day, and I said, excuse me, you're licensed as a medical professional. How is marriage a medical, biological disease and illness? He said, <laughs> oh, well, I what I do is I advertise myself. This is false advertisement as a marriage counselor. So a couple comes in, and I discover that one of them is depressed. So therefore, I treat the depression. I then bill their insurance company for depression. But he used the idea of marriage, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And that was out there. And so people who've been abused through any kind of trauma, they do need to be careful and be educated and do some research on the therapists, the programs, you know, the leaders, and and see if they're knowledgeable. Because if you just get a person and all they deal with is alcohol or narcotics, but they're not really into why you, um, you know, are, have that in your childhood trauma, they've had no training. Right. I made sure here in our town they were having free workshops 
You should uh-huh. sit with the people, and there's the t- and take because I knew that was the buzzword. This was years ago, and it was and they were starting to realize that adults who maybe never been in therapy or diagnosed but are having issues, they're doing crimes or ending up in jail and prison and alcohol and drugs and gangs and having poor relationships with people and abusing their own kids, they finally realized that these adults had issues as children. And so they, like the light bulb came on. So for for NASCA to always promote going on the right path is the correct thing to do to keep walking towards healing. And I always try to ask people, what do Let's say for Philip, what would he need to be healed after he's told his story within himself that, you know, needs some work on? And I don't, so I don't know if Philip wants to answer that or not. Well, let's see. What do you say, Philip? Um, I don't know, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, that's usually the answer that most survivors give. I don't know. I know there's something wrong with me. I may have told my story, but I don't know what's really wrong with me or what how to be healed. I don't know what healing is, and I don't, you know, I don't know. And it takes a well-trained therapist or counselor or minister to be able to explain to and explore with an adult who's been traumatized what are some areas that need healing. None of this is taught, Bill, in mental health counseling because basically they don't believe you can be healed. You've got a biological disease, an illness, the only thing we got is medication that can help you think better, keep you calm through biological means, and uh, that you, you know, don't go hurting people. And we can uh, refer you to a counselor, and you can talk about trust, relationships, uh, you're not going to get a lot of love out of a therapist. They're not going to really hug you or adopt you as a spiritual child. That's not going to happen. And a lot of times with ministers, if you're not a member of their church or denomination, they ain't going to talk to you. And uh, so it's very hard for adults who have been traumatized to really get a lot of deep healing out there. AA is great. It's wonderful. It really helped you, didn't it, Bill? Yeah, well, I I uh, understood that you didn't have to be locked into using the 12-step program only for drugs and alcohol. By that time, they had used it for other things like overeating and gambling and things like that. So what I did was I simply applied the same spiritual principles to trauma, to childhood trauma, my Mm -hmm. story basically, in my individual Uh case. And I applied all the 12 steps. And not only to my drugs and alcohol, but specifically to 
the damage that had been done to me by the trauma I'd gone through. And you know, mm-hmm. it worked very well. But yes, it does. There isn't a, there isn't a, yeah, there isn't, as you said, um, a formal 12-step program that's already set up that way. You have to, you know, you can create your own, do your own, because, you know, that, you know why you can't, and that's what I do. Okay, I'm gonna ask you. I want to ask you a question, Bill. Why did you? Why did you decide to adjust the twelve-step program from alcohol and drugs to your trauma? What led you to make that decision? Sure. Well, because I came to understand by reading, studying, and also uh, by people's testimony, if you want their own stories, that they could, uh, one could take the 12 steps and apply them to different problems, as I just said. And that was a choice. Now, there wasn't, um, there wasn't a Sexaholics Anonymous, well, there is now, uh, back then, but they're not really trauma-related. The only one that was closest that's come along since has, has been um, Incest Survivors Anonymous. And that's right, right. pretty close because... You know, a lot of times children are being abused by their older brother or their father or whatever, and that's incest. So that, in that sense, it mm-hmm. could work. But, but I was doing this way before anybody brought that up, and I simply knew it says it right in the big book that you can apply this to other other things, mm-hmm. and so I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that was like that was 40 years ago. So I mean, I've yeah, been working yeah, on uh, uh, for a long time. Go ahead. The reason uh, AA, um, it has been around a long time. I went to the guy's house called Prick up in Columbus, Ohio, that started it. And there's some Days of Wine and Roses, the movie with, um, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Jack Lemon, I think, showed it how it worked and, uh, and how him and his wife got into um, alcoholism. And there's some great uh, things about that. But you're right. A lot of your adult survivors who may not be addicted to drugs and alcohol or sex or something. They don't get the framework. They don't get the context of an AA group, a higher power, the 12 steps, okay? And so they don't have that knowledge. I think you have on the website something that you don't call it the 12 steps. You call it 12 principles or something of NASCA. Is that right? Uh, there's 12 traditions that drive the step, the 12 step programs. And NASCA, yeah. while it doesn't, it doesn't directly promote 12 step healing, the, the 12 steps of the recovery, it does promote the concept of the 12 traditions, which are mm-hmm. the 12 things that came up about 15, 20 years after uh, AA developed, uh, that it was in the 50s, they, they approved. Uh-huh. And there there are 12 spiritual principles that we uh, can, you know, that AA and other groups mm-hmm. can, and NASCA does, follow that guide, the, that guide the organization, not really for the individual, they're for the organizations. So the 12 mm-hmm. principles of, of, of uh, the traditions are, in our case, um, they're on the pull-down menus on the front page of the website. I think it's the second to last. Okay. Uh, pull down menu. It says twelve traditions, and it's okay. it is the twelve traditions that, except it substitutes 
the word alcohol or alcoholics anonymous with childhood trauma or NASCAS, mm-hmm. you know, just just mm-hmm. replace the, the words. But that's what that right. is. It's the twelve traditions. Yeah. Well, you know, when I uh, when I was getting my master's degree, we didn't hear anything about twelve steps. You only got that if you kind of specialized through an organization for drug and alcohol, totally separate from mental health. There wasn't much ask on the state licensing or the national clinical uh, board uh, to be board certified up there about drugs and alcohol, 12 steps. You were studying Freud. You were studying Carl Rogers. You were studying B.S. Skinner, psychologist. You were studying psychosis. Uh, you had a lot of medical knowledge, you know, medicine, uh, things like that. So it's very interesting uh, how you were able to see that you can translate the 12 steps into helping an adult survivor from trauma get healed. And a lot of people, and that's wonderful. That That is such a way to adapt something you knew that worked to your life, and a uh, lot of sorry, people. I was, I was um, recovering from the drugs and alcohol problem I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simultaneously with what I came to understand, it was possible to do simultaneously with the recovery from the trauma that you know, was mm-hmm. a big part of why I drank. Of course. Yes, it was. You know, people, people use drugs and alcohol in order to, you know, to have a crutch, you know, to have a, a full... Well, a, what a, it does is it the, mm-hmm. our body and our mind wants peace and pleasure and we don't want to think about the icky stuff. And, right. you know, it becomes, our bodies become biologically addicted, alcohol, which numbs oh, yeah. us and the drugs. Yeah, yeah. So you don't right. think about it. Your brain is numbed no. out. And so right. what happens is then you become, your body is, it, you're dealing in drugs and alcohol, you're dealing with biological things, but you haven't touched the trauma yet. And so it's a double whammy. In mental health, you get dual, it's called dual diagnosis. You have a drug and alcohol issue, and you have some kind of psychological issue, and right. the therapist can do a dual diagnosis on you and that kind of thing. And so, but for a survivor, and especially for NASCA, you know, like I know Philip pretty well, getting information, like you went through the 12 steps. I don't know how many, uh, like I took peer-to-peer training here in Pensacola. Uh, because a lot of people who have been traumatized could not find help in the mental health world with ministers, and they thought, we need to help each other. So I actually took uh, training to be a peer support person. And I was amazed at even people who are working on their master's degree in counseling, how traumatized they still were from childhood, I'm thinking you're going to go in a in a counseling session and help somebody, but it's sort of like the people said there doesn't seem to be anybody that can help us. 
So we're going to try to help each other in a peer-to-peer group, you know, and things like that because we understand what we've all been through and how traumatic it was in our life. At least we can support each other, you know, when we're feeling bad and stuff and we understand each other. So it was very interesting because understanding helping people from a mental health world is one view. The AA world is one view. Peer-to-peer is one world. Minister, pastoral, spiritual is another world, another system. And what I like is across the whole board, everybody needs education on trauma. They need understanding of what is normal according to culture. What's a normal family relationship supposed to be? And how can I get from where I'm at to where I would be uh, classified as healed and being normal now in my feelings? And these intrusive thoughts or feelings don't come up anymore. So I know, Bill, we talked about, you know, people telling their story, and it's step one. Well, then they need to go, okay, I've done that. Now I need to go to step two. And I need to look out there and educate myself of the many different ways and the people and the programs that can help me and just keep moving. Do you think, Bill and Philip, that most adult survivors of trauma know what needs to be healed with inside of them? Bill, you've been long down the road. What were some areas that you finally recognized you needed healing in that had been destroyed, perverted, twisted from the childhood abuse? Uh, I'm not sure I understood the question there. I'm, I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of different, like I said, a lot of different ways to do this stuff, and none of them are wrong. But you might find mm-hmm. that after, after trying one that you're uncomfortable with it. And that's what we said before. Don't be afraid okay. to, you know, select something else and try that, you know, if that does occur. But there are so many different ways, you know, whether it's peer-to-peer, it's professional-to-professional, right. or it's, it's a minister to you, if it's a spiritual path you want to follow, if it's a, if it's a uh, physical, you know, okay. some people How take it. How did you know, Bill? You knew you were on you were on drugs and alcohol, so you knew that you needed to get off of that. You had awareness that you had an issue. Yeah. Then, how did you know you needed healing from trauma? How did you Uh, know or okay? You knew. uh, Hey, alcohol and drugs, or sexual problems, or gambling, or overeating. It's very obvious eventually to to people, I have a problem with overeating or sex or gambling or alcohol and drugs. I need some uh, treatment or healing from those things. What was it that made you realize you were doing the alcohol and drugs because of your childhood trauma? Well, Did you find that out in the 12 steps? Did it oh, come no. to you like an aha moment? No. It, it, I knew all along that, you know, I hated who I was, 
This is when okay. I was, let's say, 20. I knew by the time I was 20, certainly. I hated who I was. And I also knew that if by over-drinking and overusing drugs eventually, and overusing girls, but frankly, another way, uh-huh. uh, there, yeah, were, yeah. there were different ways that I could um, imbibe in, um, in, in processes or, or substances that, hid, as I said, it hid the... the it hid the feelings, right? It changed my feelings. Okay. And those were drugs and alcohol. And drugs right. and alcohol, you know, were, it was so obvious. I mean, I just, I couldn't not stop. I couldn't not drink. And I right. couldn't not do drugs. And that was, that was, it was very obvious, patently obvious. Okay. Yeah. But something after you got off that said, there's something else. I don't like myself. And then something must have clicked in you and said, I need some deeper work inside of me, some healing. And so you proceeded to do that. And that's the thing that a lot of younger uh, people, maybe Philip's age or even younger, they kind of know something's not right inside, but they don't know what right is they don't know how to find it they don't know where to look they don't know what book to read Uh, they don't know who's a good therapist or you know who's been trained and so hopefully NASCA can provide a lot of answers to them like if you're looking for a therapist you make sure they're licensed by their state you some questions to ask the therapist have you had trauma, uh, trauma-informed care? Are you aware of the ACEs? Have you worked with people from childhood trauma? You know, that kind of thing. And you'd be surprised that a lot of the therapists say no. I had this one lady, she was, all she worked with was adults in depression. She had a horrible personal life herself. I'm thinking, how are you going to help anybody? This other lady was a marriage counselor, and she'd been divorced three times. And that's what you end up getting. And you don't know it, okay? And if they've been to different colleges, and they maybe like B.F. Skinner, who believed we studied him a lot, did a lot with lab rats and psychology and how pleasure and pain would train an animal, and you could train individuals through pain and pleasure to change their behavior because it's just learned behavior what you're doing then you had carl rogers he was i'm just going to sit here and let you talk you can talk about anything then you had the people that love freud and we're going to do psychoanalysis one of the things early psychiatrists did was they before they could go and help people they said about through two to three years on a couch themselves being psychoanalysis, you know, talking about their life. Most mental health counselors don't do that. They haven't dealt with their issues. A lot of them had childhood trauma, but they don't know it. They don't talk about it. Blah, 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 blah. So healing is, is the goal. It's, you know, it's the... The next step will say after telling your story, 
is to proceed down a path or several paths. You can go by yourself. You can go with other people. And find different routes, like you found, Minnie Bill, and get healed of some of this trauma. Now, in the community's training on trauma-informed care, they really didn't go into a lot of the healing. It was just to inform the counselors that an adult has had a childhood trauma, if not many, and they got issues. And now we're seeing them as adults. That's about all it tells you. It doesn't tell you how to do the healing of the trauma. And so there's still a lot of education that the professional community needs to get yet. And so I hope they're working on it. Philip, do you have anything you want to ask or say? So the next step in doing is to learn about my sicknesses. All right, say that again to me. The next step in healing is to learn about my sicknesses. About your sickness? Okay, the next step after you've told your story is is to say, okay, something bad happened to me in my childhood, and I've got some issues. And um, my thinking's not, we'll say, normal. I have intrusive thoughts, inappropriate feelings. I'm afraid of this. I have issues. Now that I know that what happened to me as a child has affected me in such a way, I've got to figure out and get some help, maybe read a book or something, and learn what's wrong with me. It's, and best way I can explain it is let's say you're having a, a headache and you go to your primary care doctor and he tries certain medicines or stuff, and he says, well, it's stress-related. Well, what's stress? So you might have to understand blood pressure, uh, how you handle life situations. But you could have a brain tumor. And so sometimes you, you follow one treatment form with the doctor, and that doesn't solve it. So he says, let's do a MRI or a CAT scan. Let's see if you got a brain tumor up there that's pressing on something. So even doctors do a lot of checking out, exploring many different theories to why you're having a problem. Now, if you had a known problem, like say you fell off the back of a truck and you hit your head on the concrete, you end up in the hospital with neuropsych brain, te- you know, surgery. We know you had a brain injury, and now when after that heals, you're not the same person. That's, we found out the source, okay, of now your inappropriate behaviors, your reaction, the brain injury. But when there's no physical thing that we can point to what happened to you as a child, but you've got some issues, that's when it takes a a very inquisitive therapist 
you may not even know when you're getting started the what happened, may not have the memories, and how that affected your biological brain development, a great book to read that can help you understand the brain is called The Three-Pound Universe. I read it because I did a lot of neuropsychological testing. I'm trying to figure out why people were hearing voices, why their auditory was messed up, what happened after brain surgery, uh, why they're paralyzed, why. So you have to study the biological brain. You got to know a lot about that. It is affected by trauma, and so is your physical body. And so, what happens is you start reading books. You can go to any bookstore and look up childhood trauma. Uh, there was a great one that uh, called "Suffer the Child." that I read it was about these people going into uh, hospitals, working with psychiatric nurses who had had childhood trauma. And they, they would tell their different stories. There's plenty of ways to go. If I know something happened to me as a child, it has definitely affected me. Maybe my brain is underdeveloped. Maybe my neurons didn't develop the way they should. Maybe I have um, some weird feelings. Well, how do your feelings develop? What are they based on? Um, pleasure, when you look at something and it makes you happy, dopamine is going off in you. When you get afraid, cortisol is happening automatically. When you see something that frightens you, you're automatically kicking to the fight or flight syndrome. Study that. Study what happens in the brain when you visually see. So as a child, it automatically all happens. Chemicals are released. Hormones are released. The neurons in the brain are firing off. Things that are supposed to grow in a certain way get distorted. Uh, Things grow perverted and twisted and confused. If you live with trauma for a long time, you have cortisol, which is in the flight or fright being released in your body all the time and if you try to find a way of pleasure you want that dopamine going through the body and the nerves so you really have to study your biological body and your brain because from that when the child perceives fear there's things happening in the brain and the body there's feelings there's um if through the sexual intercourse of things there's pain there's fear but there's pleasure the the body is an organ it 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 responds to the nerve endings respond to both pain and pleasure things are happening in a child that's not their brain and their understanding is not fully developed and a lot of times their development is shortened it's distorted. It's perverted. Uh, the normal that should be there is not developed. Normal concepts. Uh, there's too much hormonal release uh, that's happening. And uh, you study uh, going through puberty, and you study what the body's going through. 
And uh, so you start learning your body and the biochemical uh, system. And there's plenty of books you can look up to study emotions. A lot of them is just pure chemicals. That's it. And some of it is uh, different uh, releases and study the neurons, how a memory is released. How does a flashback come? There are plenty of books you can go to any Barnes and Noble store. You can probably look online and you start learning about yourself biologically and how it was affected. There's plenty of books by plenty of people, therapists and their support groups, all kinds of stuff. And they have studied childhood trauma. Uh, go watch the movie, The Three Faces of Eve. That was childhood trauma. Dibble. A lot, a lot of trauma. Well, some people say that's not a true story. But you can see how a mother did the abuse and everybody turned away and what it produced inside of her. So you start studying true stories, biological facts, Start looking for books on the mind, emotions, and feelings. Uh, like Bill said, he had a good group with 12 steps. Uh, it was a trusted person. Uh, in spiritual work, there's a lot of prayers. Uh, there's a lot of spiritual activity that goes on that can be explained to you. And what happens is you start educating yourself and you start becoming knowledgeable about trauma. Uh, You can go through a trauma-informed care community class and you can read books on it. Uh, You can probably watch videos on it. There's probably all kinds. And study it for yourself. You know, become an educated patient. And I tell my husband, I said, look, you sometimes have to be an advocate for your own self. And you have to go to your doctor or your therapist educated. And you have to know what's go- what, you may not know how to get there, but you know. I understand why I have a memory, according to this book and this psychiatrist, cortisol's being released in me. You know, and I studied that. I studied the brain. And and so you go into your therapist or your psychiatrist, you're not ignorant of your body. And you are not ignorant of emotions and your brain. And I've had to do this with heart doctors. I've had to study medication and what it's supposed to do. And I've had to look up the therapeutic numbers for it. And I've had to study because I have to challenge sometimes the doctor. And a lot of your therapists never expect the patient to be educated. They just want to have you come in, pay some, they get your insurance, okay? And that's about it. Like what Bill said, he he got to the point Or he saw, I could take those 12 steps, which is spiritual, with a higher power, forgiveness is involved and everything, and take that into my trauma, into what happened to me when I was a child. 
So you might find the same thing. In psychiatry, a lot of them want to just medicate you up. That's all they have. That's the only tool they've got other than uh, maybe biofeedback or um, electric shock treatments. I don't. I, they might still do lobotomies and things, and um, that kind of thing. And so, but they try to just calm your chemical stuff in your brain down. So the cortisol's not shooting off. All the dopamine's not going. There's not a. My, my son was, had a head injury. He was having seizures. Things were firing off, you know, and he'd go into just zoned out. And they gave him Tegretol to stop the seizures, the electrical activity. In your brain and your whole body, it's neural, that's brain, electrical, chemical. It's all chemicals with electricity, all kinds of cortisol and dopamine running through the brain. There's nerves. There's one that's called the vargas nerve that starts in the brain, goes down through the body. If you have a trauma, you get a stomach ache because instantaneously through that nerve is electrical currents, whatever shoots, and it ends up in your stomach and you feel sick. So you start studying your body, your brain. Bill said on alternative paths. Some people have found all sorts of wonderful ways, and they get healed. And so healing is how you have the victory over what happened to you. You go, you say something like this. I got hit, sort of run over by a bus, did a lot of damage to me. It's ruined me for most of my life, but. It, the trauma, the abuse, does not have the last word. I will rise up. I will get educated. I have to do 12 steps, whatever I need to do. And this event or events or that childhood will not win. You have to sort of get an attitude that I am going to recover I'm going to get back what I lost, whether it's love, joy, peace, safety. It's not going to win. I got hit pretty good. A lot of people will use the military. They get in a bomb explosion, both legs cut off. They go get artificial age and go run a marathon, become a political leader, congressman. They don't let it stop them. Did they have trauma? You betcha. There's a great book out about a reporter uh, that got blown up over in Afghanistan, lost both legs. He's got a book out about it. It's hard coming back from physical disabilities. Okay? A great story to show what happened to childhood trauma. Helen Keller, she was about six months old. She was normal, could hear, talk, speak got a fever, she went blind and deaf and could not talk. But she had a teacher, Annie, who was also, but believed if I speak into her hand, you know, over and over with words, 
She'll come out of her shell. She'll be curious. And and she fought for this little girl. Great movie to watch it was Anne Bancroft, Helen Keller. And Helen, Annie believed there was somebody in there. She couldn't hear anything. She couldn't see anything. But Annie didn't quit. And what happened was she put her hand under water, and it reminded, it brought back a memory of when she was six months old. And Helen woke up. She started saying, what is this? It's dirt. What's this? It's a bush. All by the hands. Helen Keller went on and got a college degree, became an international speaker, and Annie or another person stayed with her. You go study these people who had childhood traumas and how they overcame them and how they didn't quit and they had somebody by their side. They didn't let the childhood trauma control their lives. They fought back. They got people on their side that would fight with them. Now, with Helen, Annie had to fight her parents. They wanted to put her in a mental institution, but Annie wasn't going to have it. You got to have somebody in your life say, uh-uh, you ain't going that way. I'm going to fight for you. But you have to have that courage that says, something bad happened to me. Wasn't my fault. Got run over by a truck so many times. What I'd hoped for as a child, it, it's all. But I'm not going to let that win. I'm not going to let that moment in time defeat me. Bill hasn't let it stop him. He went on and formed NASCA. He went on and is a conference speaker, I believe. So you got to get an attitude. Yeah, okay, I got hit pretty good. Um, I had, you know, bad stuff happen. But that's not the end of me. I may not, who knows what I was supposed to be. But I can come out of it through healing, through whatever path you choose to take. But first you got to get an attitude. Bill wanted to get healed. And he was willing to work on it. And so you have to get that attitude, okay, something really bad happened. I'm not going to let that stop me because I'm, I'm going on. And I want to be able to look back at whatever or whoever or whatever happened to me and say, you didn't kill me. You didn't stop me. You perverted me for a while and twisted me all up. But I came out of it. And now I'm going to help other people. It's sort of you're talking to abuse, sort of, you know, and to trauma. And you're speaking not just so much to a person, but you can. But you're talking to that event. You say, uh-uh, I'm going to be out here as a shining light to those kids who are getting abused and traumatized right now. Let them know they can fight back. They don't have to be addicted to drugs and alcohol. They can get healed. I'll tell my story. I'll tell them the way I walked. I'll tell them how hard it is. But they can get there. So you have to kind of be a fighter on the inside. Bill was. A lot of child trauma people are, and they fight for years. Sometimes you have to have some love in your life. In Three Faces of Eve, she had a man in her life who said, I know you've got a problem, but I will stay with you. I love you. I want to be a father to your daughter. 
that is what gave um, Eve White and Eve Black the permission to disappear out of her life and Jane to be created to be with this man in a loving husband-wife relationship. You've got to have people in your life that have walked the walk. got to have somebody in there that loves you that's a fighter. And Bill was a fighter, and he said, I'm going to go form NASCA, and I'm going to show people there is a way to get healed. Whatever way works for you, do it. And we're going to be here for you. Take the first step. Tell your story, you know, and then go find your path. And that's what Bill's life represents to so many people. And so I try to tell people healing is just the the path you walk on so you can look back at your life and go, you hit me pretty good, you flattened me out, you caused me a lot of problems, abuse and trauma, but you didn't have the last word in this one in my life. I got the last word, and I defeat you. And I will teach other people, this is the advocacy part, how to defeat what happened to them in their childhood. Okay, Bill, it's about 821. Right. I don't know if you want to comment yeah. or fill up. Yeah, I want to comment um, as the show is ending here that you covered a lot of space and you did a terrific job explaining all that stuff. I want to, I want to say that there's even more things that a person can consider using that are steps along the way of their healing journey. And they, 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 they are things that people don't often think of, but they actually help a great deal. And I'm not saying any of this should be done alone and only one thing. But, for example, what I'm thinking of is stuff like art therapy yes, and yes. animal therapy. Of course. Animal yeah, yeah, therapy, of course. Dog therapy. Body yes. work. Body yes. work of different kinds. Going uh, to the gym. Yeah. People use. Right. Yes. Um, how, yep. about, how about um, EMDR, which is another, you know, methodology. Yep. Works for some, doesn't for others, but that's oh, okay. We've got to mention yep. it is what I'm saying. Um, and uh, these are things that they don't, you don't do them alone. I don't think you would do them alone. But, but you would do them as an adjunct to the other things you're already doing, and they definitely help people. So I don't want oh, to leave yeah, them out yeah. because – they belong in the list of things that can be done um, and should be explored at least, you know, and possibly and considered doing. So I wanted to mention that. And, Philip, I'm really, really glad that you continue to show up and you ask pertinent questions. You know, your comments are really good. I think uh, that everybody agrees that you're a terrific addition to the masculine experience here on our radio shows. And I think uh, Pastor Deborah would agree. I, I, I want to thank you for being here tonight again. Um, so with final thoughts uh, for you, if you'd like to, Deborah, um, we have just a couple minutes, and then I'll play the music and get out of here. <laughs> okay. What we had talked about is telling your story to somebody, whether it's on NASCAR, is the first step. It re- It's like... Re, uh, uh, releasing the pressure, right. okay? Then yep. you start, I mean, that's hard enough. And there's probably a lot more to the story than just the first time. But then you start at somebody in your life that says, okay, now let's take a step towards healing. 
okay, that bad thing happened to you. But it's not going to keep you down. I'll help you. I'll walk with you. Uh, if you want to go to Horse Equine, if you want to go to the gym, if you want to do, I got your back. Because we're going to defeat right. this. It's an attitude. And whatever way works for you, and, and and however long it takes, art therapy, music therapy, we're going right. to get you. And we're going to tell that stuff in that childhood trauma and abuse. You should have killed me. But you didn't. So I'm going to come out the other side, and I'm going to help other people have the victory. It's an attitude thing. So I'll turn it over to Philip, and he can have the last word. I think he might be gone. I don't see him on this. this, uh, Yeah, he usually has to leave sometime. But I think, you know, what NASCA, what we talked about is, like this was sort of a theme-oriented, you know, kind of thing, and at the same time promoting NASCA and uh, promoting healing through many paths and many ways. And, you know, Bill, your life is a a testimony. Mine is too. But I didn't get to, you don't know how many books I had to read, seminars I had to go to, uh, movies I had to watch, okay, to help people and even there were times when God said you need some healing I go from what he goes how about 30 40 years well what am I going to do you don't sit at home and read my book right but I didn't know that so sometimes your healing comes that way it comes this way it comes that way it comes in segments it comes in seasons A, a little bit here a little bit there through this person through that program through this and if you're not continuing doing that then you don't get healed you stay in that victim type stuff and and the past is still affecting you and controlling you beating you down and it's still winning so you got to have an attitude you had it and and you were able to adjust the 12 steps into childhood trauma and apply it to your life well i want to all right it is in the end, I want to encourage people, and I know you agree with this, that whatever you learn, pass it on. Because it's just, you'll learn as much in passing it on as you do in learning it the first way around. And, well, um, people and are course, getting abused right now, the young kids, and they need a light out there. You're a light, Bill, shining. And they go, yeah, here's my story, but I had to work hard to get through it, to come out of it. It was darkness. I had to step out of it. I got knocked back, but I didn't quit. And right. I kept exactly. going. And that exactly. is what the adults have to do. So I will close it now. I got 827. Sounds good. All right. Um, and we're. Go ahead. If you need me again, I'm here. I just don't know how to do the. You know, I don't have any of the host stuff, so I couldn't. No, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Don't worry. You did good. We again want to thank. (laughs) We again want to thank Pastor Deborah and uh, Philip as well. Two of them, you know, did a terrific job, hung in here the whole show. And uh, I know you got, if you were listening, an awful lot of information, or at least the opportunity to hear it. And we'll repeat it again because we do these shows on an ongoing basis. Deborah. will be with us again two weeks from tonight for another one of these shows. Of course. Of course. 
Yeah, the fourth Tuesday, and I think you usually do the fifth Tuesday. Because uh, there's I a fifth a Tuesday. That's right. There is yeah. one this month. Yeah. I know. So if you want yeah. me on there, I'm with you and me. We do real good together. You know, I don't know why, okay. but we do. Well, we'll see what, we're get, what we come up with. In the meantime, 90 seconds left. It's time for me to say good night to everyone, to appreciate the fact that everybody was here, and to hope that they'll return on another show. Uh, we do them Monday to Friday at 8 o'clock Eastern, so 5 o'clock Pacific, 90-minute shows. And we, you're always welcome to be on our shows. May God bless you and the children of the world, and God bless adult survivors of child abuse. Good night, everybody. Love Talk Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.